It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right, Victory Monday, we get to celebrate and we get to play on. We will now be facing the New Orleans Saints in the NFC Championship game. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll talk about what the game atmosphere was like. We're going to break it down offensively, defensively, game balls and more. And yes, we have our special edition back in town with us today. Mr. James Kroger, back from his daddy daycare moments. James, how are you doing, my man? Hey, Bear, we won our playoff game at home. You were there, my man. I can't wait to hear more from it. But, dude, I feel like I haven't been on the mic in at least two weeks. I watched the first game with my newborn son yesterday, so that was a thrill for me. And I'm fired up. We are moving forward. Final four. We're there, and it was a great game. I can't wait to chat with you about it. Yeah, man. And first round of the gate, I've said congratulations to you like four times when you've not been on air, so I might as well say it to you on air. Congratulations. I saw you put up some awesome pictures of baby James in uh, his Rams gear. So awesome to get to have that first moment of a not only a, a first Rams game together, but a playoff win, the first win in L.A. since 1985 and their first visit back to the NFC Championship game since 2001. And you and your son got to watch it together. It was great. I think, you know, I think he's maybe a little good luck charm. Uh, but yeah, dude, on top, you know, thank you, of course. I really appreciate it. And also everybody that listens to the show and reached out to me via social media to congratulate me. I really, really appreciate that. And I'm, I'm super happy to be back on the mic to chat this game with Bear and you guys. So thank you again for reaching out. And Bear, thank you for the love as well. We, uh, it, was, it was fun watching with him, man. He actually stayed up for the whole show and I was like talking him through things. And it's, he's like, he was 12 days old at that point. So he's not understanding anything but you know it's just those of you that understand it was it was pretty cool yeah so exciting for the rams so exciting for you i'm so glad we got you on you're right it's been a while since we've thrown down on the mic together we had people on twitter shouting you out wanted to hear your Mm -hmm. take so i'm glad you're able to join us guys before we get going make sure to find us on spotify itunes google podcast hit the subscribe button share with a friend we appreciate it 
All your comments and reviews have been awesome lately. In fact, I've been so busy preparing for this podcast and getting James on that we're going to continue to run our contest that we had. And I got another one coming up because not only did I get you, James, uh, a playoff towel, but I got an extra one that I'm going to kind of raffle off to you guys, the listener. So we're still going to run our competition for the hover helmet. I'll pull it probably midweek, maybe on our crossover edition, that Wednesday edition. Uh, Feel free. All you have to do is go leave a five-star review and then put in hashtag hover helmet. Write a comment about what you think about the show, about the the big win we had. We've had a few people uh, join in there. So make sure to jump in. Five-star review. You're entered to win the hover helmet. That's that rotating mini Rams helmet. Awesome. And then later in the week, I'm going to give out a playoff towel as another giveaway. So awesome stuff happening here. Rams keep winning. We're going to go to New Orleans. We're going to talk about that game later. But James, let's talk about this game. Let's talk about from the get-go. Obviously, you guys know that I went to the game. Walking up, I was probably the earliest I've ever been to a game in my life. I was like (laughs) two and a half, three hours early. And I'm glad we were because the will call wait took about an hour Wow. Uh, everyone were, was kind of shocked that they're, you know, we're just getting tickets, right? And, you know, it's not this huge transaction. And then we get up there and it was like, boom, boom. I think people just don't have their information ready or the old, I was told I was left tickets. And I saw a couple of those meltdowns when you're at the game. My heart was racing too because, Serena, <laughs> thank you again for hooking these tickets up. But I, I'm just kind of blindly going to the will call and hoping that everything works out. It did. Uh, but walking around, tons of Cowboy fans, it felt walking into the Coliseum. And again, I just kind of walked from the street, walked through the whole area, the tailgate area, was very heavily in the Cowboys' favor. Once Mm. we got into the game and you start to see those towels wave around and you heard the noise, there was definitely, you know, maybe it was 55, 45, close to 50-50, but if anything, a tilt towards the Rams for sure. But the Dallas faithful did get loud at certain times to get behind the the crowd, but amazing atmosphere. It was really cool, James. We sat right behind uh, the basically the VIP tents that are on the field. There's a bleacher section right behind that, so we sat on that. It was really cool to get to walk on the field, which was extremely muddy on the outsides of it. I think they tarped it really well and, and kept the field in overall really good condition. But on the outside, it was mud and water everywhere. But it was really cool to get on the field uh, and get that close to this type of game. Uh, the playoff towels were being handed out. The atmosphere was up. French Montana at halftime was probably the most boring concert. I mean, I think, you know, people kind of sat down because everyone was standing throughout the whole game, which I got to give props to almost the whole Coliseum was on their feet throughout the whole game, especially in our area. So atmosphere was on point. But James, I want to kick it over to you because I want to get you rumbling and rambling here. Um, talk to us about just uh, but overall thoughts walking away from that game. Talk to me about it. Oh, so many things. I was so excited to find out that you were going because, man, you tossed up some cool stuff on social media. I must say, guys, be sure to check out Bear or Locked On on social because it, it made me feel like I was part of the atmosphere for just a little bit. But, uh, you know, leading up to the game, a lot of people were just talking about the potential for rain. It didn't look like it ended up being rainy at all there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was pretty sunny in the beginning, but they had the tarps out and it was just honestly, dude, super exciting one you know my obvious reasons of watching it with my son but so what really stands out to me most is the way that this team continues to evolve i was watching uh nfl game day all morning and everybody really just was talking one there was a lot of haters and people expecting the upset upset from dallas but two you know they talked about concerns for the rams and one of the biggest things was our rush defense and we just shut that argument down this team has just evolved defensively and it just wasn't an issue i believe they rushed for 50 yards or so and then the second thing is offensively we just 
now all of a sudden, you know, we were a pretty pass heavy team early in the season. Now we're this like double running back threat with yeah. CJ Anderson uh, with two touchdowns and Todd Gurley with one. I think we ran for a total of 250 or so yards, but uh, 273, both- my man, 273. I love that. And I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's the most rush yards against Dallas Cowboys all season. And we split it up pretty evenly. I know both the guys uh, broke 100. So just really happy to see the way this team is evolving and being able to step it up. And I loved the fact that we had such an amazing game at home. Yeah, James, I mean, you're talking about it exactly right. The run defense and the rush production. I mean, it was really a story. It was the story coming into this was what does the offense do on the ground versus this tight Dallas defense? And how is the Rams defense going to stop Ezekiel Elliott? 20 carries. 47 yards, 2.3 average for Zeke Elliott. Um, He wasn't getting anything. We put eight guys in the box 40% of the time. That comes from next-gen stats. We were basically daring Dak Prescott to beat us, and he couldn't. Uh, The Rams made plays when they needed to. And then on the other side of the ball, talking about our rush attack, 23 carries for C.J. Anderson, 16 for Todd Gurley, a buck 23 for CJ and two tutties along with Todd Gurley, 115 and a touchdown. That's 48 carries combined. We had a couple wide receivers get in there with some rushes, but 48 rushing attempts, 273 yards. That is just insane. And if you think about it, that's 223 more rushing yards than they had. I mean, I just kept calling it out at the game as I looked up at the board and they have the stats up on the board and I'm sitting next to this Cowboys fan and he's talking earlier in the game about how Zeke's going to run all over him as we're getting ready for the game. <laughs> and I just kept going, they've got a total of 13 yards. They've got a total of 20 <laughs> yards. Like nothing. We were just shutting them down. The Rams D was able to put their hat on that. It was amazing. Uh, We can talk about this for the rest of the episode. And actually what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. We're going to get a couple words from our sponsors. We're going to be back on the other side. James Kroger, Bear Modern, Victory Monday, breaking it down and looking ahead. The suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry, you can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. 
As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Rams Nation, we are back. Second segment. The man, the myth, the Kroger is with us. I am so honored. He is calling in from the Rams podcast studio. Guys, we're going to get a Rams podcast up to you guys soon. As we mentioned, James has been running around with daddy daycare and and really helping his wife out. And so good to you, my friend. But we're going to have to throw down another podcast here soon. The fans are calling for it. We've got so much to talk about, not only breaking this game down, because we can go on so many levels and we'll continue to talk about this game a little bit. And then we're going to look ahead. We're going to do some game balls and play action balls in the third segment and then start to look ahead about our matchup going back to the Dome. But, James, let's keep it on the defense side of the ball. Um, You know, we saw, as we talked about, that rush defense really, really did an amazing job. But one of the things that I thought was amazing in this game, they really found a way to stop the Cowboys on third down. The Cowboys were 1 for 10 on third down. The Rams on the other side, 5 of 11. Jared Goff, not a wow factor game but a game to get it done he didn't really have to do anything other than not turn the ball over and really complete a few passes to move the sticks but just looking at that talking about the third down defense and just how this team in the past few weeks has really turned it up I can't believe that they were one for 10 and you know a lot of guys stepped it up that we haven't really seen too much out of this season particularly in Dominican Sue who majorly earned his paycheck this game with four tackles one for a loss he was all over Dak Prescott he got him twice uh, great penetration, which obviously helped Aaron Donald out. They, you know, the Cowboys did a pretty solid job of of blocking Aaron Donald in the first half. I don't think, even think he had a tackle during the first half, but in the second half, he was way more disruptive. And I think because you know you're trying to, you see that Andama consumes obviously, you know, coming down on everybody and becoming a major threat, so you might give him a little bit more attention, and then all of a sudden that opens it up for Aaron Donald. Something that we kind of expected to see a lot more out of during the regular season, specifically the beginning of the season, but. Aaron Donald's been dominant all year, but in Dominican Sue, at some points, we you know were wondering how much he was really having a, an impact, and he definitely proved it in a crucial time when we were in the playoffs uh, at home. So happy to see that, and Corey Littleton was just all over the place, dude. I mean. This guy's one of my favorite players on the defensive side of the ball. So I love the way Corey Littleton's been playing. And one of the other things that I was kind of surprised about defensively was NRC. He wasn't really in the game as much as he typically is as far as snap counts are concerned. And then that crucial Amari Cooper 29-yard touchdown, he wasn't even in during that series, or I'm sorry, during that play. So uh, kind of surprised there why his his role was limited, but we did see this defense really kind of shut everybody out with with any of their questions as far as uh, the rush D is concerned. So it was looking great there in the beginning in the beginning of the game. Was kind of concerned with our secondary. Marcus Peters had a pretty crucial penalty that uh, put them, I believe, on the 30-yard line. And then we had that obviously uh, then we had that touchdown right after that. So Marcus Peters in the beginning kind of pissed me off there secondary, but Really happy with the way this with the way this defensive line performed and the way that they ultimately all together stopped that rush D. 
Yeah, and you talked about Ndamukong Sue at the beginning there, and I kind of want to touch on him. We usually do our pro football focus on Tuesday, but I'm going to do a little sneak peek today because, again, my podcast, my rules, let's go. Here's what <laughs> you can get as far as stats. Ndamukong Sue led the way for the Rams' defense as far as interior defender. His overall grade of 80.5 was the highest of the game. He generated four quarterback pressures and added two defensive stops. With those four quarterback pressures, they were the most he's had since week 16 and the sixth time this season he's had at least four in a single game. Really where he stood out, and we talked about this, but his run defense, 88.2 run defensive grade was easily his highest of the season with his second best being an 82.5, which he earned in week Mm. nine against the Saints. So hopefully we can kind of build off that. And then obviously the last time you had a really good job on the ground was against the Saints. We're going to need that again uh, next week when we go down to the Dome. But you're right. It was perfect timing for Ndamukong Sue to come out and really have a great game. He was a big part of shutting down that run. I mean, really looking back at the tape, and I got to go watch the full game again. I've been able to watch some highlights. But very first play of the game on defense, it's Ndamukong Sue in the backfield setting the tone. Uh, He was pushing people around all day. We saw some big hits from Fowler on Zeke Elliott, which just – you know, yeah. we went nuts when we saw that because I thought that was almost a fumble type hit. But uh, our defense looked pissed off. They looked like everyone's been talking crap about them all week. So they came out to prove a point. Obviously, we've got the Saints next week. They can attack you on the ground or through the air. So we're going to have to see this continue, not only on against the run, but then our secondary. You talked about Marcus Peters and some of his disappointments. Overall, I think, you know, I'm okay with the way he played. You know, this thing was built to stop the run. Uh, he Again, the things that are going to drive you crazy are those stupid penalties, right? The one where he, that you were talking about, the 15-yard penalty, which, you know, gave them a first down, moved them into our territory. They, they score pretty soon after that. He came up and made some tackles when they tried to do a quick dump and run. Uh, he got beat a couple times, but overall, I was I'm, I'm happy with where he's at coming back to this game. Again, this is going to look back to a very much revenge game for him as well as he's going up against Michael Thomas, who just basically roasted him last game. Thankfully, we've got Talib back. I was a little scared for a while when I saw Talib go in under a concussion protocol. Uh, He came back out. Everything was fine, but he went in uh, to the locker room, which was a little nerve wracking for a little bit. But kind of as we're on Talib, he seemed to have fun with this game. Demarcus Lawrence kind of was talking trash, talking about taking people's souls, especially the quarterback when he was talking about this matchup. And when Jared Goff was getting interviewed after the game, he came up and dropped the F-bomb up on TV to Jared Goff and said, you're not taking any effing souls. Jared Goff went on to tell the reporter, well, he's right. You know, it's it's pretty true. So I love to see these guys and, and the energy that they brought and really how they took it upon themselves defensively to go out and keep the Rams in this game because you know, going back to the Rams offense, the rush game was incredible. But once we got in the red zone, not so much. We, we kind of sputtered. You know, thank yeah. God uh, Greg Zerline went and hit those three field goals and put up nine points for us. But, uh, you know, looking at, you know, how it went down, we should have really had a lot more points. And really, this game should have kind of been a blowout if you, if you look at it. Greg Zerline did miss that extremely long field goal at the end of the half, which he had the leg that was into our end zone. He had the leg, just the accuracy was a little off. Uh, but a big game from him. I said twelve. It would have been a career long for him. Yeah, career long. It would have been amazing. Would have been a great time for it. Maybe in the dome next week, we'll see it. You can tell he's got the leg. And I'll correct myself. I said nine points. He had twelve because he had three extra points as well. So uh, we got to convert in the red zone. That's a big thing for us moving forward. Something that we're going to have to talk about because the Saints. You cannot kick field goals. You saw the Eagles in the first quarter. They went up fourteen points on the Saints and then couldn't get another point. 
Uh, you're going to need points to beat these guys. We got up over 30 again, which was it was kind of awesome for the Rams to see the offense grow, especially on the ground. Todd Gurley is back, but you don't know who it's coming from and when it's going to come. We've got a new Thunder and Lightning package uh, that you can get really excited about. Again, I'll just say it because I love talking about it. 48 rush attempts on the ground, 273 yards. These guys are incredible. Only four times in the NFL has two running backs had over 100 yards in the game. We had two of those players added to the list on Saturday. It was an amazing performance. And then if you want to go into the wide receiving core, Robert Woods with his classic six catches, 69 yards. He's always Mr. Reliable there for us when we need him. Brandon Cooks, four catches, 65 yards. Higby, Reynolds, Todd Gurley all had catches. But the offense overall looked good. Jared Goff didn't really have to, like we said earlier, show off his arm in this game, uh, but he did just enough to win. Looking forward, do you think Jared Goff has the gusto to go on the road and win this in New Orleans next week? Yeah, man. And the best part about Jared Goff is he doesn't need to have an amazing game for us to excel. I mean, we look at this game specifically talking about rushing and, you know, not utilizing Jared Goff. And we had the most rushing yards in playoff history for the Rams and the most first downs and postseason history for the Rams franchise. And we're just showing that, you know, with the way we have the dual threat and the running back spot right now, Jared Goff's able to still open things up with the amount of receivers we had. He had a great a couple passes to Reynolds and Cooks and Woods had an amazing game. And I saw some people on Twitter in the beginning of the game saying he wasn't really looking as confident back there. Well, I think once we got that through that first couple of series, you know, we got, we went down initially with it, just a field goal. Like you mentioned, we couldn't convert in the red zone yet. We had a ton of yards, you know, Jared Goff was making it happen. We just couldn't punch it through in the beginning. But as the game went on, we saw that offensive line, you know, I, I would say that they're really back. They did a great job holding everybody, obviously with two different running backs able to uh, excel during this game. The offensive line looked amazing. And that also allowed Jared Goff to stay back there and remain confident and get those completions, those imperative completions when he needed to, to really open up this offense. But at the end of the day, we, we were a rushing team this game. Yeah. Uh, who knows how we're going to uh, be once we face uh, New Orleans. So um, yeah, I mean, as far as Jared Goff is concerned, it's, it's not really bugging me because it, doesn't seem really to matter at this point if he has a good game or not we're able to still take advantage of this explosive always changing offense I love the fact that McVay was able to open up the playbook you know he had two weeks to prepare for this game and you know that he created new plays as he always does so Jared Goff's getting what he needs to get done yeah I'm a little more concerned with Jared Goff than you are it sounds like I think he was pretty inaccurate at times there were some wide open throws that I think he did miss as far as he went one way, the receiver decided to go another way. I saw it with some of our tight ends. And then obviously Todd Gurley in that red zone opportunity uh, looked to be there, kind of threw it because he was under pressure. Uh, yeah. That was the same play that we actually scored on in week four against Minnesota. If you guys look back to that film, Todd Gurley came out of the backfield and it was almost kind of a straight up the field type of route. Uh, he just missed him. But again, I think they were just a little off. Um, I think we're going to need to see better from Jared Goff uh, next week for him to win. I think this was basically the line that he could be at and, and still us, the Rams, kind of move forward. I think if he had any turnovers or really hurt us in that way, uh, it would have been worse for us, and, and we might have been in a different situation. But he's got to play better. I think he did just enough because of our rush attack here. But again, once we get in the red zone, we've got to score. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. We're going to step aside. We're going to get some words from some sponsors. We'll be back. James Kroger is with us. Bear Motter, Locked on Rams Monday, Victory Edition. We are playing on Final Four. We're going to talk game balls, play action balls, and more on the other side right after this.
right, Ram Station, third and final segment. This one's special. We are moving on to the NFC Championship game on the road, the two seed. And actually, if you look across the NFL, all one and two seeds won this weekend. It brings a matchup of Saints and Rams. And then on the other side, it is the Pats and the Chiefs going at it for the AFC. This is going to be an awesome matchup. This is Tom Brady, by the way, and Bill Belichick. They're eighth straight time to the to the AFC championship game that is just mind-blowing for me that's crazy this is our first time for the Rams since 2001 and we are through the moon with it It is is so exciting and it's going to be an incredible game but to look and seeing how long Tom Brady's done it on the other side I would love to face either of these teams in a Super Bowl it would be a great matchup and a great storyline leading into it but we are talking Rams Saints we're talking this Rams victory that was amazing at the Coliseum lots of Cowboys fans but they went home so quiet and so bitter. The funny thing is, you either went home with your head tucked between your tail, or you went out like with the worst lines ever. I saw so many like talking about the history, how many Super Bowls we have, and a couple people going, "Oh, you're actually a, a team from St. Louis. What are you excited about?" It was just like living in the oh, past. Man, they just got so desperate on the way out. They they had nothing. Uh, you know, when you go for 50 yards on the ground and 47 from Zeke Elliott, the guy that you were going to hang your hat on, that everyone talked about. Uh, throughout the the leading up to this game. So uh, it was awesome to see them kind of tuck tail and, and get out of town. But as we look at this game, and we'll do a quick game ball, play action balls, we always do. You are the guest, so obviously you go first. So let's start with, uh, let's start negative, and then we'll go positive. Play action ball, give it to me, James. Oh, uh, all right, I had, my, I had my game ball ready. Oh, I switched it up on you, big guy. <laughs> oh man okay uh let's see here honestly it's really tough to give out a play action ball with this game because i was really satisfied with what i saw but if you're twisting my arm i guess i can give it can i give it to the secondary as you a whole do, you and do what you want james of, i'm being lenient today it's a victory monday show i'm feeling good all right well i gotta put it somewhere so i'm going one marcus peters i can't believe that that uh a penalty that cost 15 yards in the first town that allowed them to score on the next play and two talib also even though he went out with the concussion protocol he had a pretty crucial pass interference in the end zone for us so those guys you know just making kind of stupid plays and then marcus peters continued the talk and after the game there was a little shoving going on that didn't seem to stop so uh you know the attitude was something we've been a little worried about all season and he hasn't shown it too much, but this game, he kind of, he got into it. And as we advance further in the playoffs, you know, we got to keep that attitude in check. We got to prevent penalties. So if I have to give it somewhere, I'm going to, because of the penalties from the secondary and our defense, I'm going to throw it over. Okay. There. And you know what? Mike Madlin will actually agree with you. He, he tweeted at me and said, I lost count how many times Peters can be mentioned or exposed in a negative light in this game. So I think he was feeling that play action ball going that way as well. I, I think I'm going to take what I get with Marcus Peters at this point. He made some tackles. The effort thing is really where I was killing me early in the season, mid-season, where it seems like he just wasn't given effort. Saw him come up, make some tackles. He's got to get the mental aspect of you know not getting caught up and throwing hands with somebody. The penalties are are crucial, so I understand uh, the, the play-action ball there. On my side, as I'm looking at the play-action ball, I've got a couple ways I could go here, really. But I think I got to stick with what I was talking about earlier. Rams in the red zone. We were two for four in the red zone. We kicked a lot of field goals. It was frustrating uh, looking at this early. I mean, we really should have been up, especially when we get so close. If we're getting you know close to the 30 or the 40 and, and Zerline's kicking these deep balls to put points on the board, 
I think that's a little bit different. But when we get down inside the 20-yard line and inside the 10-yard line and then sputter out, it's a little frustrating. That's not going to play when you go further into this tournament. When you go to New Orleans, you got to convert with touchdowns. Uh, Playing Drew Brees, you saw it again tonight. He's going to move the football. He can move it fast. He can pick up points quickly. So uh, that would probably be my play-action ball would be to the red zone efficiency And then a little baby game ball to Jared Goff for just, I need him to take that next step coming up this game. Uh, He did just enough. We talked about earlier in in my eye, uh, completed some first downs to move the chains. Didn't have any turnovers. That was huge. But he's got to hit some of those open guys and really convert. That goes back to kind of that red zone efficiency. Missed a couple guys inside the red zone. Uh, Our play calling definitely went run heavy inside the red zone. So I understand that as well. Uh, But if we keep pushing the ball like this, down the field on the ground. I'm going to be totally fine, uh, but I'm going to go play action ball to the efficiency in the red zone. But let's turn this thing around. Let's go positive because you're right, James. It's really hard to pick something negative when you come out of a victory like this against a team that obviously the Cowboys coming in, lots of hype, lots of momentum. So to shut that down off the bye week, all that talk about is Todd Gurley healthy and all this. So it, all the, everything was good coming out of this game. Uh, we stayed relatively healthy as well. So who does your game ball go to, Mr. Kroger? Oh, man. Ding, ding, ding. Surprise, surprise. I'm going to give my game ball to the obvious choice here, which is Mr. C.J. Anderson, who is essentially letting Les Snead look like a freaking genius. What a great pickup. Because one thing, I don't know if you're aware of this stat, but he's actually now the first player in NFL history to have at least 100 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown in each of his first three games with a new team, uh, regular season and postseason. So awesome stat there. And my game ball is actually turning into a bowling ball because that's kind of the (laughs) metaphor of what CJ Anderson has been when he gets the ball. He's just a solid dude who's just knocking people down. He's knocking down the Cowboys like pins and making huge plays happen. I, I think it was the first or second play of the game when he got 13 rushing yards right out of the bat, right off the gate. So uh, he's just, you know, he's he's got a completely different style than Todd Gurley. And I love the fact that we have him as a major threat right now. And he really helped us advance, especially in the in the first half uh, with, with his rushing uh, in this game. And fourth quarter touchdown that you had a great visual on on your social media. So CJ Anderson, without a doubt, gets my bowling ball. Love it. Ball. Bowling ball, game ball. And you're right. He earns it. You talked about the efficiency that he had. He rushed 23 times, four which went for 10 or more yards after avoiding 10 tackles and gaining 68 of his 123 yards after contact. The man was a beast. The guy was running all over. One thing I love about him being a bowling ball is he's got this great first cut. His vision is amazing. Uh, He found the hole and he hit it hard. And then he's four yards up before people are making contact. And then when he's getting tackled, he's another four or five yards past that. He's a tough guy to get on the ground. He's playing with a massive chip on his shoulder. He talks about it all the time. You know, his post-game interview was basically a motivational speech to never give up. So I love the the kind of mentality he has right now. And when he's running, he's running angry. He's running hard. And that O-line is really pushing for him. So my game ball goes to that O-line. Talking about these guys coming in with an attitude And on that offensive line, I'll just kind of star out Andrew Whitworth because he finally gets his first playoff win after all these years. And he did it with his highest pro football grade since week four of the regular season with an 82.8. He didn't allow a single quarterback pressure on 30 pass blocking snaps and has not allowed one since week 15 against the Eagles. 
That's 70 combined pass blocking snaps in that time period. So he was amazing on that offense line. There was that Todd Gurley run for 35 yards. If you watch it, Andrew Whitworth gets two guys on the play. He throws down a lineman right away, then goes up to the second level, gets a block on a linebacker that was key, springs Todd Gurley to basically not see any contact till the very end of the run. And then I guess it's like a little, little tiny mini game ball. Like I did a little mini tiny play action ball i will kind of attach this kind of along with the theme you pick cj anderson i'll take the other guy that went over 100 yards 16 carries 115 yards that is a 7.2 yard average and a touchdown i mentioned the long of 35 yards but todd Gurley was back he looked healthy he looked strong he really was able to share the ball well which really wasn't his option but uh, i love that we have that dual threat he also caught the ball twice for three yards not as effective as we'd like to see maybe in the screen game and that, but they shut that down pretty well. Something that's still in play moving forward, but man, offense line, both our running backs, game balls go to everybody. Uh, you saw it in the, the McVay post game, which actually opened up the show here today. Andrew Whitworth gets a game ball here. He gets it in the locker room. They well earned for both of those balls, man. It was exciting to watch him battle up front and win that first playoff game. And as he said in the locker room after the game, everyone's like, well, how does it feel? You win your first playoff game. He's like, listen, I didn't have this long career, put in all these hours to just go win a playoff game. He's like, we got to go win a Super Bowl. That's what we're here for. I loved it. I got chills, goosebumps going up right now, even thinking back to when he was talking about that. But I love that. He's got a bigger picture. He's not just here to kind of get that little monkey off his back and go, oh, I won a playoff game. I can retire now. No, he's looking for championships uh, we'll see where he is at at the end of the season, but I love it. Game balls to the offensive side of the ball. And I guess, I mean, if we're going to do the little bonus ball, let's throw one to the defense because when you hold a team to 50 yards, say. we got no rules here. As we're, we got to give some props on that side of the ball. Uh, 50 yards on the ground. Hey, McVay gave out three game balls, I think. So yeah, we, can, yeah. we can do that. Why too, not, right? right? Everyone get, you get a game ball. You get a game ball. <laughs> but as we kind of. As we kind of close this thing out, because this is a long one, I'm excited to have you back. We got chat heavy today. We got into some topics. We talked about a lot. I've got a lot more to say going on tomorrow on Lockdown Tuesdays. We got some more pro football focus. We got the kind of turning the clock, looking ahead towards the New Orleans Saints and that trip down to the Dome, a rematch. Marcus Peters will get his bowl of gumbo with Sean Payton. If you remember that quote, I will be playing it later this week. Lots of storylines. Uh, it's going to be an awesome game. James, while I got you here, talk to me quickly about what you think is going to happen this game, how you feel, uh, confidence level at this point, and what we can expect next Sunday. I think it's like a 12 p.m. start, like a noon start over here in L.A.? Well, you know, to be honest, I would have rather have gotten Philly in this equation, but watching at least the first half of the game tonight, you know, New Orleans only put up 20 points. Of course, they had a comeback. Philly had a strong start with 14 right away, but didn't do anything after that. So we know that New Orleans can come back. New Orleans is so scary. Drew Brees at home in January. So, you know, it's one of Jared Goff's uh, idols growing up. And so we know that this team can make it happen. And honestly, it's it's going to be quite an uh, anxious and nerve-wracking week for me. But I know that the Rams – 
can be really solid. A lot of people have favorites with them. We saw that we put up 30 points against the Cowboys. So I know that we can try to, you know, continue to stay on that high scoring end. You, you know, you're concerned about Jared Goff. I, I totally understand what you're saying because we really need him to be able to keep up with whatever Drew Brees is going to score. But the fact that we have adjusted defensively and shut down the rush D against the Dallas Cowboys makes me feel pretty positive that we'll hopefully do the same in New Orleans against that team who's got a, a pretty strong rush. And I hope that Marcus peters and to leave focus and prevent penalties and don't get us in too much trouble over there and that Dominican sue continues to prevail and excel uh, against that offensive line as well as aaron donald you know he's hungry for a solid quarterback sandwich and i hope that he just gets a couple sacks next week so you know we have the tool set and we we have sean mcveigh you know somebody that's sought out sought out after by every team who has an empty coaching position these days if you have a, a cup of coffee with Sean McVay it's very likely you might get a job in the NFL out of it because of the effect that he has so honestly man we're on this we're on a high right now we're in flow state heading to New Orleans and I really have faith that this team's going to has the right tool set and everything that they need to be able to pull this off we already lost to them once uh, this season so we have a lot to prove and you know we're one game away from heading to the Super Bowl so I think every in Rams Nation, super jacked to face this team and willing and, and ready to to have faith that they're going to produce big uh, during this game. So yeah, it, I'm excited, man. Excited and nervous. Yeah, I'm with you, James. This is a different defense that's going down to New Orleans than uh, back in Week Nine. To lead back, Marcus Peters not going to be shadowing the number one wide receiver. Hopefully, uh, and like you mentioned, hopefully cleaning up some of those penalties, all the things that we talked about earlier in this podcast that were frustrating, but. Uh, we're going to get to talk about that a lot over the week. We've got great guests coming on. Our crossover on Wednesday is going to be exciting with Ross Jackson. This matchup is going to be something to talk about. Thankfully, we only have a week this time instead of two weeks like we did with this last game. I'm super excited. James, such a big thank you for coming on. It was so good to chat with you again. Hope we get to throw down a Rams podcast soon. And hopefully you're back here on Lockdown Rams again, talking a Super Bowl matchup, looking ahead. Another victory Monday is what we request. And James Kroger, hopefully you're there with us. Big thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. And yes, I think we're up due for a Rams podcast this week. we got tons to talk about on top of all your daily shows. we got to hit it with a hour-long Rams podcast. So guys, look out for that. But thank you so much for having me back on. At Kroger 3 at LA underscore Rambling Bear. Locked on Rams. Rams podcast. Go find us on social media. Give us a follow. Interact. Shoot some questions. we got lots to talk about. But you know what it is, Rams Nation. Until next time. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fancy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? 
You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.